Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Four o'clock hour. Reno's in. I'm guessing Reno's fired up about the Golden Knights. I feel like this is the state's team. I don't know about the Raiders. I don't know about the allegiance in uh, Reno in terms of Raiders and 49ers. I'm guessing it's more of a 49er town. But I think um, Bill Foley's done a good job of cultivating the fan base. The winning has helped all around the state. And you do know next year when they're on scripts Mm -hmm. that the plan is, unless they get Salt Lake hijacked by the NHL and the Yotes, that Bill Foley's dream has always been to kind of snake this thing north all the way up to Idaho. Manifest and, destiny. And, and pick you know, all these cities off, Reno and then Salt Lake and then up into Idaho. So, welcome in, Reno. We've got some VGK talk coming up. If you want to hear the official coverage of the game, RTHG, Ryan the Hockey Guy, Ryan Wallace, is on 1340 AM and 98.9 FM right now. Leading up to puck drop at 5 o'clock. You know, I wanted to mention something. I'm going to throw it in. Probably should save it for the grab bag. But while we're on the subject of, you know, hit number four. I'm doing another number four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. Yeah, our, our original number four. It's out. Okay. Omaha! Four! Gone! Okay. New number four. So I just mentioned scripts. And that meant that VGK got way ahead of the regional sports network disaster that is starting to unfold. In baseball, it's been a mess. Mm-hmm. You had Diamond Sports on like 13 properties. They just pulled the plug middle of last week yeah. on the Padres. And then a lot of people in San Diego were like, wait, what? what's going on? Where's, where do we find the games? It's nuts, right? So Golden Knights got ahead of it. They've inked a deal with Scripps. You know, part of the package is going to be Big 13, Big ABC here, right? Did you see, and I don't like the way this is worded, the L.A. Kings are not bringing back Alex Faust. I don't know if you know, you guys know who Alex Faust is. He's on with us, I don't know, a couple times a year. Really good young broadcaster who has been doing national stuff with TNT. He's been the Kings play-by-play announcer on TV for a while, and he sent out a thing today. He's like, yeah, they're not renewing my contract. Now, the story here is oh. this is part of the regional sports network thing. So start think about this. Wait. These things have such such an uncertain future, and either the league, like Major League Baseball took over the Padres for now. Either the league, Major League Baseball, or NHL is going to have to take care of these broadcasts, or they're all going to have to make individual deals in their markets. Wait, the LA Kings looked at this and they're like, well, we can't. We just got to get rid of Faust for now until we know what's going on. The Kings may not be on local TV, may not have a regional sports network. Are we serious? Wow. Yeah, apparently it's part of them merging a single group. Of, so it's going to be radio and TV, oh, like man. as the broadcast. So whatever you're hearing on TV is going to be on the radio. That's kind of tough. This is a new territory, though, man. This is what you're going to get. There's going to be a lot of ramifications of all these decisions, and this is going to be one of them. I'm fascinated to see what it's going to mean. As a media guy, it, I guess it's kind of a hardcore topic, but it does affect a lot of people who want to watch these games. So. But I'm fascinated oh, to see what people are going to wake up is. next year. Yeah. Uh, and even later in this baseball season, be like, wait, where, where's my game now? Right. Uh, just to inform the public, too. Uh, is today, what, the fifth? Today is the fifth. I'm not here to do, because I didn't get paid for this, right? I need scratch on this, a testimonial. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into, but I did 
because I'm frugal, I did sign up for YouTube yesterday and got the package. YouTube TV? Yeah. The NFL package? I don't know if I want to You get it by that. tomorrow, 100 bucks off. After that, how much? Um, wasn't cheap. So, package and red zone 289 for the season. My introductory price on I'm really doing a commercial here. My introductory price for YouTube TV is 65 a month. It jumps to 73. You're at 73? I'm at 84. What's yep. going on? Oh, believe me, I, now I have two I have two live carriers because I have Hulu Live, which I'm going to get rid of, but I know I'm paying through the nose on that one. That, that one's 70 plus. They, they're running these commercials now where, like, YouTube TV's like, $600 less than cable. I'm like, where? Yeah. Because I still got to pay for internet, and yours keeps going up. Yeah, they so where are we at? the internet part. I, I don't believe this. Yep. It's ridiculous. So I'm in with the package. I might buy it, though. Kind of have to, don't you? Although well, like we were I said, talking I last might, week, yeah. you, you do Sunday mornings. I do Sundays, and, you know, oh, I don't even know because we have a new schedule coming, I'm sure. And either way, I just like being in I like being in the sportsbook environment to watch those games. So I might not even be home for them. Kids, family, ugh. Number three. I could jump on that. We could do 10 minutes on that. We could hammer on that. Huh. Watch football. So it got a little froggy at the end of the game with the Panthers and the Knights over the weekend. And we're going to get into Kachuk in a couple of minutes. But Paul Murray's a really interesting guy. He's a good hire, veteran coach. Um, I'm not even going to say he can be surly. He can be very direct. And I guess after game one, he felt there was kind of a freakout vibe in the media room. So he had this to say. We lost the first game in the Boston series well and got a little better. Then we lost two more, got a little better. Everybody just and breathe. <laughs> right? I feel like I feel like you people have been here. You're tight. to loosen you up a little bit. Okay, good line. Everyone chill. Uh, Damon is very much on the Cofield path here of fight for us all the time. Don't speak to me like that, Palmo. Yeah. Well, like, oh, everybody just bleep and breathe? How about you win a game? How about that? He's actually bleeping, bleeping, breathe. Um, there are two bleeps in there. Was he? Are we serious? You guys are going to be this soft? Uh, I think he it wasn't was, mad at him. He was I, just. Oh no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. This one, I'm not bothered by. In fact, I'd be more insulted. How dare you? I'm a down the middle journalist. I don't need to breathe because I'm not worried, bro. All right, you breathe. Oh, you guys are are you playing out like some sort of fantasy of just standing up at a press conference? Yeah, if I'm Homer Media, if I'm guy who got the plane ticket to Miami from Miami out here, yeah, I want to see a win. I'm sure that they're not down the middle. I'm sure they're homers, and they're mad that their team's losing. Also, control your team. How about that? Bunch of children skating around, taking pot shots the entire time. I think that's what you do. That's what you wanted to give them seven power play opportunities and two goals. Congratulations. That's what you do at the end of the games when 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 things are going south. You try to send a message. Now, here's the thing. We're going to beat the hell out of you next game. Well, I live in Vegas, so obviously where I'm going to find down-the-middle viewers of a hockey game is going to be very few and far between. Yeah. I watched it with a bunch of Vegas Golden Knights fans. They're like, how can they keep doing this after every play? Like I was like, yeah, yeah, this is ridiculous. So I don't even know what I was really watching. I will say, at the end, like where Kachuk's taking the pot shots, that is on the refs. Like, break it up. Grow some onions, like pull them off of each other, send them in the box, do something. It took forever. Let's think, go. You think Batman is like uh, David Stern back in the day? Like he's got a little earpiece in the officials. I'm making that part up. Uh, but Batman's watching and he's like, I like this. I like this a lot. But it wasn't enjoyable. But it wasn't even enjoyable. I enjoyed it. I it enjoyed, was boring. I enjoyed Nick Hay getting punched in the face lightly well, and was, smiling back. That's the thing. Which for the rest of us would be like, whoa, what the? What just hit me in the face? And he's like, ah! 
But that's the thing. Like, they weren't real like, punches in the face. You're wearing the hockey glove, so it's just like bunny taps to the you face. You think? Yes. Oh, I'd be careful. Stop. Might hurt more than you think. No, stop. What are you taking punches at, what, you're from your sons? Every morning I wake up and punch myself in the face to feel alive. Now, that I like that. I like that. No glove either. Look, the monster. And I've, Look, I've the monster. felt. Why are these guys yelling? What? what? <laughs> uh, this is. Um, I'm not saying everyone on the show. I think Willie would go for it. This is definitely a show with at least three of us who, if we had to kind of like slap each other, like before a football game, before a radio show, I think I'd, we'd be into it. I'd do it, yeah. A little bit. I'm down. A little bit. You, get, you cross the line when you do the helmet to the bare head. You know, I've seen a lot of guys split their head open yeah. on that. But yeah, I'm down. Actually, the other day, the other day, I woke up a little late. I had to do a hit. And uh, the former Vegas, actually, ties in, former Vegas Golden Knights uh, ice reporter, Stormy Bonatoni. I was doing a hit with them, and, you know, in between, you hear me down the line. I went like this, kind of slapped myself in the yeah. face to wake up. And she just goes, did you just slap yourself in the face? Because she can't see me. She's going to hear it. I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm just trying to wake up. Yeah. I've done it a couple Let's times. do it. I've done it a couple times. I'm ready. Get annoyed at myself. Get a little discombobulated. Can't get words out. And I punched myself in the face. Lightly. Wasn't that hard. That's what you do. McKinnell got, he got all freaked out. Listen, I I wouldn't go down the path. We've had some crazy people in studio, so believe me. Either I'm way. The, I'm the least crazy one. We had a, we had an MMA fighter in here basically say he was going to kill himself when his fight career was over, and now he's in prison for life. So yeah. that, that story where Koken was like, okay, I'm out. Yeah. He's like, I've had enough of this. If you, if, like, get him out, please. I know they're out here, so if you take away anything from this, it's that I can take Matthew Kachuk punch to the face. Number two. So as a result of all the fisticuffs and childishness and gamesmanship, the crowd was very fired up. So, you know, the Miami people are in town. Can we show them a good time? No. Can we set a good example? A sports guy from Channel 10 is in town. He's trying to close out, close out his report. And then just every – and, it, you know, the, the sad part is the guys who are doing this to him who are, like, ducking in a shot are, like, 55-year-old dudes. Chill out. Game two coming up on Monday night. For now, we are live in a raucous Las Vegas. Clay Ferrero, Local 10 News. Thanks, Clay. So you can't really tell what's going on there, but there's one guy who just puts his face right in front of the camera. The guy behind him just has a middle finger up. <laughs> what are we got? You guys are like 55, 60 years old. What are you talking Show about? a little respect. It's a guy doing a TV stand-up. That's a good sports town right there. If you want us to be New York, Philly, or Boston, That's right. maybe, maybe Cleveland, then okay. That's a good sports town. You just called Boston a good sports town two days ago for one Joe Missoula run out of town. Here I we did. go. I did. Flip off the local news camera. Uh, I like civility. It's Vegas. We can we can be above that. He didn't push him. He just flipped off the camera. But trust me. Uh, there's enough jabronis who have moved from those areas I just mentioned who now live in <laughs> South Florida who will do the same thing back to, right. oh, I don't know. You know, poor Kevin Bollinger is going to be down there getting a middle finger in his face <laughs> as a response. Will Kevin? Don't, don't do I, I'll say it. Will he? Uh, will he up the ante? Because I actually thought he took a step too far. The anchor actually made it physical. Okay, don't touch me, bro. Now it's on. I don't care if I'm flipping off the camera. Oh, that would don't be, touch me. That would be epic. Can you imagine if you the guy started left, swinging? Left hook coming in front of the don't camera. Don't touch me, man. <laughs> Number one. Right, go ahead, on to Chuck. Go ahead. You're very worked up about this. He's a child. Like, you were getting your butt kicked in the third period. So what happened? So you went out and, and oh look, again, I will admit, I am not the most trained hockey eye. So when I'm sitting there watching what was transpiring, especially in the third period, I part of me was like, okay, maybe this is normal. You know, hockey likes the fights. Hockey likes all this stuff. But, Steve, after every play, and it wasn't just Kachuk, it's the entire Panthers team. 
You see, after every whistle, there's a late shove, there's a push, there's a there's a pull, there's something, and eventually, if you're the officials, clean it up. Make the guys pay for this, because then it's not even the danger of the skirmish or anything like that. Like, speed this thing up. They're not fighting. They're not doing anything. All he's doing is taking pot shots over the top of his teammate. You allowed that to happen if you're the officials because you allowed them to get away with it throughout the entire game. And I get it's your brand, but at some point, do you not clean this up? Where do the officials start doing this? Again, I'm I'm openly – I'll <laughs> openly take the you've never watched hockey, you don't get it. I guess. I'm not going to respond like that. Right, and it's not I like do a, think I do think this is part of the game. But, it is gamesmanship that at the end of game sometimes – you're trying to leave some sort of message, and the the message that gets planted by Kachuk and others for getting all kind of dirty is I think they're actually baiting the Golden Knights into an early response tonight, and the the Knights I know under Cassidy, now I might be completely wrong, and tonight there's just freaking full swing, you know, high sticks to the face and freaking whatever, cross checks, dirty plays right out of the gate, but the, the Knights that I know who are the least penalized team in the NHL... Mm-hmm will pick their spot. They're not going to make it obvious, you know, because well, this is, like, essentially what we get in baseball, where a lot of times the next day they don't even wait. It's just like, hey, I'm going to throw one right in your face mm. in response, and, oh, you're out. Right. Um, I think they will wait, but they're they're trying to set something up here. The Panthers are but, trying to get the Knights loose so that they can get some power plays. No, it hasn't really worked on them. So, okay, and here's my thing. Right. Okay, if that's your strategy, congrats. You're down one nothing. Coming up, Willie Ramirez will uh, chime in on Kachuk and his childishness. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, rolling on. Let's get out to the Fortress. Five o'clock puck drop, game two, Stanley Cup final. Knights taking on the Panthers. Willie Ramirez is somewhere in the building. William, how are you? I am doing good. I am uh, sitting above the red line as we speak. All right. What's the vibe in the arena like this early? Because I know you've been in for a while. You haven't been outside for hours, right? Yeah, no, I got here early when the, the media gates opened. At uh, They let us into 1230. I wanted to get here early, just make sure to beat traffic. And then they had the NHL prospects. Um, they make them available uh, today which are basically the guys that are going to get drafted in the top 5'10", including Connor Bedard, who will go first to Chicago. Um, so you just kind of get inside. But even when I got here, right, and the other day for game one, I, I went over to the Aria to meet with some of the media members, some of the national guys, and had a bite to eat with them. And, I mean, we're talking, you know, hours before. And I tell you, I was amazed. I, would, I don't want to say surprised, but just amazed that early that many like if i passed five people four of them had golden knights gear on and then by past 15 a a smattering of florida gear so i mean you can really feel the vibe that early whether you're inside outside the building right now it's 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 uh, i think the party's going on outside it's not too full but we're going to get to warm-ups here in a little bit and it'll start getting loud uh, Willie, in any media availability since game one, have you gotten the sense of how Vegas is going to handle Florida's, as I have labeled it, petulance in terms of the extracurricular activities after the plays here in game two? 
No, they feel that that was their that worked to their advantage in sort of just understanding that that's their play. And I actually asked Sam Reinhart that yesterday during off-day media availability if there's a fine line that they have to be careful of. It's one thing for the Gold Knights that has to be they have to be careful in getting baited into it. But do the, does Florida have to be careful in being baited into themselves and crossing over where it, where it goes from being physical to frustration as the Golden Knights built their lead? you know, uh, in game one. So I think it's, 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 it's somewhat on both sides that they have to be careful in that fine line. And I think Vegas is really comfortable. Um, it's one of the things that's been really impressive is that, you know, yesterday the Florida Panthers, the, the ones that were made for availability, they chartered up to City National Arena. They did availability and they left. They didn't skate. They had an off day. Golden Knights had an optional skate. I counted 17 guys out there. They were lighthearted, but they were working hard. They were laughing in the locker room. Today, Bruce Cassidy comes in. He's joking with everybody. I mean, it's a I had a chance to talk to Misha Donskoy, the assistant coach. He happened to pop into the media room today, and he was talking about how everybody is so much more mature from that first year, and he was on that first staff. And that, that, that goes to your point, uh, JVT, it, in addition to just being lighthearted and being loose is that they're focused and not worried about getting baiting into what Florida's trying to get you to do. And I think that's why Florida got this far. They sucked Boston, Toronto, and Carolina into their game. Vegas is doing a really good job of staying focused. First two periods, what do you think made the Panthers dangerous before they came a little unraveled in the third? What what were you impressed by? Well, I just their 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 ability to move the puck and sort of they that I think it was the middle 10 minutes, right? About five minutes in, I felt it was an even game. Then for about 10 minutes, uh, I thought that Florida dominated the Golden Knights. And I literally say this time because it was when I looked up at the clock and said, wow, Vegas has flipped the switch. In the 4.34 of the first period, I felt Vegas seized control and took back the game. Second period, it was somewhat even, but I felt that Vegas was still doing what they had to do a lot better. But I think that Florida is just, you know who I, I sort of compare it to Edmonton. Florida's got their two, three top guys and the rest of their roster, but it's not an even spread of depth like Vegas has. I, I you know, I, I'm not going to say it's, it's, I identical to Edmonton because there is nobody like Connor McDavid, probably nobody like Leon Dreisaitl, and there's certainly nobody like that tandem. But they have their superstars at the top, and then they have the rest of them in hope that they can step up. Vegas, you can always count on somebody. You just don't know who it's going to be. They just have the better depth. But I think for Florida, it's just a matter of they have to stay out of their own heads, and I think that's what they did up until the third period. They played their game. Um, they have to get back to playing their game. They have to not focus on, on what Vegas is doing. And I think if they can do that, they'll make a game out of it. Willie Ramirez is with Cofield and Company here on this Monday. Game two is on the way. You can hear the game over on Fox Sports 1340 and 98.9 FM. Willie, there was another one of those stories out today about, uh, well, pulling the information from one of these ticket resellers, uh, claiming that as many as... Uh, 13% of the people in the building could be Panthers fans. You and I went over this last week. I think those are completely unreliable sources. What was game one like? Could you hear the Panther fans at all? Yeah, and I think that that's, that's actually a pretty fair number. If you would have asked me, I might have said about 15%, 10 to 15%, because they're going to show up. They're going to get here. They're going to find a way to get the, get the tickets, and it's still a low amount. I mean, let's, let's face it. What is 13% of 18,000 people, right? It's about, what? 2,500 people, 3,000 people, still not a lot. Sure. But they did cheer. You know when you hear it the most is 
during the Star Spangled Banner, we all know that they, they yell night, but when they get to red, uh, just like some of the other clubs, they yell that. So you can hear you can hear Florida fans in the in the crowd. You can hear it on certain calls, but for the most part, they're getting drowned out. They're not overtaking uh, T-Mobile Arena. There's not. It's not like wow, is this is Florida's crowd taking away from or distracting? It's that's not even close to being the case. Thirteen percent is a safe number. I would say that's probably about right. Um, but it's not taking away from any sort of Golden Knights uh, home ice advantage. So one of the things that Steve mentioned in game one that we saw, a lot of traffic in front of the net for Vegas and getting Bobrovsky you know, out of sight and couldn't see anything. What did you make of his play in game one? Is that about Vegas causing a lot of issues in terms of sight, or did Bobrovsky, for lack of a better term, turn a little bit into a pumpkin and more like what we expected at the beginning of his playoff run? No, I think that I think it was Vegas doing what they do best, and I think that it as it's sort of a snowball effect, right? By the time you get to the third period, and this is what we've seen Vegas do all playoffs and pretty much all season. You know, they, if they're in a close game in the first, and whoever seizes momentum in the second, third period, when Vegas gets on a roll and, they, and things just start flowing, and they start throwing pucks on net, and they find their groove. They, they sort of find the rhythm in where to be and on the right places on the ice, and guys just start falling into place. I, I wouldn't really necessarily – I mean, Bobrovsky let in four goals, yes. But for the most part, I, I'm not going to blame him as much. As, I'm not going to say that he turned into a pumpkin. He's still, uh, you know, a former Vesna winner. The guy still got it. And this, is, this series is far from over. They're going to have to prove it tonight. Vegas is going to have to come out – and really prove it tonight because I think if Florida stays focused and in their game, Bobrovsky's going to be on top of his game. And if they can keep the puck in the offensive zone and sort of keep keep that traffic, like you say, away from in front of the net, he's going to have you know more time to prepare and, and watch the action and see it coming at him, regardless of how many shots he takes. Um, so I don't I don't necessarily put it off on Bobrovsky as much as I just think that Vegas put applied the pressure the way that they've done and we've seen them do. And as things got better for them, it progressed, it snowballed, and they just started getting into their groove in the third period. Willie, from Cofield and Company, Willie Ramirez and the Sporting Tribune is out at the Fortress. He's getting ready for game two as puck drop is in roughly 32 minutes. Will the Open be as long tonight? I think the national audience should be used to this by now, but my lord, I looked up, it was like 527 uh, before the puck yeah. dropped on, <laughs> on Saturday. Yeah, it's 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 wild, right? It's yeah. it, it it the the other night it was listed at five. I don't think it started till closer to five thirty tonight. The, it says five ten. I'm guessing it'll probably be around five thirty. So, um, but you know what? Uh, you, once once the lights go out and they do their introduction and the 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 uh, the light sticks or whatever it is that everybody's got in their hands or they light up their cell phones it, and this this thing gets going, everybody sort of just zeroes in on the ice and and they dig in and you know it's a uh, Excuse me. It's good to see the the press box stacked. I mean, there's a there's a good mix of, of media, national media, a um, lot of lot of prominent names in the national media, and, and they mix right in with the local guys. So it's it's been cool since media day to sort of be a part of this once again since 2018. And um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the uh, to the atmosphere, to the energy, the ambiance, um, and it, it sh we should be in store for a big game tonight. Willie, last 45 seconds, what do you think of the Aces yesterday? That was one of the toughest games of the year. The Fever were right there. They blew it at the end. Yeah, and I think a couple of things real quick is 
what we're seeing is the Aces had it easy. They, they've started on the West Coast. They come home. They played to a depleted Sparks roster, right? They didn't really play a tough schedule. They go on the road. Atlanta's pretty good. They got a really good team. Indiana was the worst team in the league last year, but they've stacked their roster. And I think what we're also seeing, this travel, these back-to-backs, um, we're seeing Candace Parker's age a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if Becky sits her down and gives Alicia Clark a little more time. So I'm not surprised at it. They got a couple of cup games against Connecticut coming up. Willie, you the man. I know you're really busy. Uh, again, tell people where they can find your stories. Uh, Sporting Tribune, right? Yeah, Sporting Tribune and Associated Press doing a, pulling a little double duty uh, this week. So uh, having a good time writing some really fun pieces, really good, and some heartfelt pieces. Did some stuff on Alex Petrangelo, some really good reads. And you know what? You guys will appreciate I got a good fun piece coming out on Sporting Tribune on the Golden Knights suit wear and shoes. Oh, all right. Right up your alley. Good idea. Yes. <laughs> Real good. All right, Willie. Enjoy the game. All right. Later. There he is. At Willie G. Ramirez up on Twitter. Uh, I know you watch the end of the Aces game. I think we both bet the game late for them to win. <laughs> oh, Neither one of us got the cover. Uh, about 20 seconds here. What happened at the very end? Uh, well, it was just a smoked layup. The, the fever guard actually got Asia Wilson out in space, blew by her. And I actually think it's a good point, too, from Willie. Candace Parker did look a little old on that. Not a lot of help defense, but layup to tie it at the end of regulation. Smoked it. Couldn't get it. Ultimately foul. Two more points, 84-80 final. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Give them a call anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Puck drop here in about 35 minutes. Willie Ramirez saying it is listed at 510. So game two going down on the strip. Give John, or take. John Montol was here. I mean, if they do the crazy open again. Say 23 minutes. It could take forever. DeMond's here. Steering the ship with Ari out on vacation this week. It's Cofield. A couple of baseball stories to hit before we get back into the final moments of prep for VGK and also a lot more on the NBA Finals. We got a series. We got a series. With us on the verge of a big yes vote from the legislature, so I knock on whatever this is. Looks like what rooting for everyone there to actually read what's going on and ask some tough questions and no go. Shot. Maybe this isn't the time. No shot. Have you been following the A's and what they're doing? <laughs> Have I been following? Oh I don't. I could scream about this every day because I do like baseball and I know you pay attention and I know a lot of it's from fantasy. But so what, right? So the A's go out this weekend. The Sunday game was actually their best game because the offense beyond that was horrendous. They wind up losing the series 23-6. Marlins are okay. They're okay. But they get blown off the field 23-6. I mean, the, can... the A's are 12-49 and 49 now. 12-49! and 49. And the crazy thing is, when you look at their lineup, it is filled with... Aledmus Diaz's and Tony Kemp's. Who was the other guy I was looking at? Well, it was Laureano? like 35. No, Loriano is still a younger guy. Yeah. But like I just mentioned, Diaz yeah. and Jace Peterson. Like it is like this giant collection of 33-year-old guys who can play seven positions who are the 23rd guy on a roster. What are they doing? Well, they're building up their assets, their farm system. I mean, it's got to be out of this world, right? Well, it's actually 22nd according to MLB.com. But so. – even with what they have, 
because they do have some hitters down on the farm and they have some hitters here. Mm-hmm. Let them play. Right. Maybe I'm stupid and I'm missing what the end game is here. Because I don't, I don't really even get that part. Like, at least if you're going to go through this, let your 23 to 27 year olds develop. Because it's, I'm not rooting against you know Jace Peterson and Diaz and Tony Kemp and all. Like, they can play somewhere, but they shouldn't be playing almost every day. Here, okay, here. Well, well, then here's the thing, Steve. Why? I'll ask you a question. Why would you play your young guys? What's what's the mission behind playing your young guys? It's to let them develop, right? Right. So that you can build a winning product. Yes. The A's aren't trying to build a winning product. Yeah, but the light, the, the the light is at the end of the tunnel here, or the whatever, what I'm whatever I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Like they're close. What do you mean they're close? They're, they're close to getting the money and taking off in a different direction. Get started now. No, because they're not. They don't care. They have never cared. I know, but it's the, it's the story's been set. All right. What was us? Poor A's. We you know we can't. We have no money. Yeah, but playing the minor leaguers, the quadruple A guys, doesn't require any money. Let them play right. so then you have an answer on those guys too. Yeah, but they might accidentally stumble into developing young talent and being somewhat good. They can't risk that. Why would that matter? Because they just got to roll out a loser, pay the minimum, and so we can pocket this change and we can laugh all the way to the know, bank you're and not making $380 any million. You're not making any sense. It's old guys who don't make a lot right. sitting in front of young guys who don't make a lot. It's not a money thing. Start to move forward and develop. No. So I said you just might the, def- just know. you might you might, just, know. You might know. run into you might run into good baseball. You can't have that. It's got to stop at some point. Does it? We're about to give him the money. He's about to be rewarded for failure. If I was him, I'd be like, let's keep this thing going. What else are we gonna get? So if they get a yes, at some point here, all of a sudden we see like all their good young players come up. Right. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with John Von Tobel. Now, if we were really talented, like everyone on the Lebertard show, you might buy what we just did a few minutes ago as a bit. John and I were yelling about the mission of the soon-to-be Las Vegas A's, but we're not talented, so that was real. What is wrong with us? Really passionate about baseball, Steve. I went into a deep, dark depression about doing three minutes on the A's and yelling about Jordan Diaz versus a Ledmus Diaz. And you actually believed the A's won over the baseball games. Oh, they have to at some point. They have to at some point. Hey, um, they're up one nothing. Okay. All right. It's a start. It's just Journey uh, of a thousand miles mm-hmm. begins with one step. This pitching staff, it's been problematic. <laughs> with an ERA pushing in the upper sixes. If I have to watch Shintaro Fujinami start one more game. Yikes. Yikes. All right, around baseball, I know you wanted to hit. A couple other stories. One, who was this player you said got uh, just destroyed in front of his parents? So uh, so one of the top Mariners prospects, Brian Wu, uh, who actually looks like he's got some pretty decent stuff. He's got like a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. It's got some like nice little wiggle on it. looks pretty solid. I like his leg kick. Very, very smooth delivery, Steve. Uh, so he made his Major League debut on Saturday. The problem is... He made his major league debut against the Texas Rangers, which are putting up numbers we haven't seen since, like, 1930. So he got lit up. But it was sad because I was watching, and, like, they kept showing his parents, and they're, like, cheering for him, and they're really happy. And then they'd go back to him, and there's, like, there's a double. <laughs> there's a home run. There's another hard-hit single. And it's like, man, you're proud of your son, but, man, the pain you must feel to watch your son's dreams get fulfilled and then ultimately watch him just absolutely get demolished. 
Very happy for the Rangers. They decided to try and spend yep. money, and they're actually good. Yep, it's it's great. I like this I, is something I argue all the time, and on this show especially, you have to start somewhere. And when they signed Seager and then Marcus Simeon, it's like, mm-hmm. well, that's not going to be enough. They can't sign the whole the whole team in one offseason. But it got them going in the right direction, and now they've got some guys they developed. Josh Young is pretty good. They have this kid, Ezekiel Duran. He's freaking awesome. Yep. So now they're heading in the right direction. And hopefully their pitching can keep up at some point. But also, to your point, too, about spending, I don't think that they're done. Like, trade deadline comes around. They're they're going to be at the top of the AOS competing for that or a wild card spot. Why not go get Eduardo Rodriguez, my guy, one of my favorite pitchers, dealing out there in Detroit. Go get him. Why not make a trade for Marcus Stroman? Dude, he's awesome. He's, <laughs> he's so, back. He's Here's so the thing, awesome. though. His shelf life, because he's like 5'8", 150, I feel like his shelf life is about 13 starts, and then you're like, well, okay, is he going to make it? I mean, is he going to make it for the whole season? But when he's on, when he's healthy, he's good, and he's also – he is great for baseball. Again, his name is Marcus Stroman. If you are a casual baseball fan or even a hardcore baseball fan and you're like – who? That's baseball's problem. And this would that'd be a whole another discussion for the A's and the money we're going to give them. Stroman is a highly marketable guy. What he did to Juan Soto was awesome. I had no idea what it was, but I could see Soto look out there and he's like, You son of a So he caught him yesterday, he caught him looking, struck him out, and then he hit him with his own celebration dance when he shuffled around the pitching mound. It was great. And and by the way, the numbers would hold up. Like he went to he went to Chicago to essentially like die in baseball, right? Just go to yeah. Chicago, pitch some some games for a bad team. Well, all of a sudden, you know, the Cubs lineup is actually kind of exciting and has some some fun and some pop to it. Yesterday, they were all over the Padres. Stroman, like you said, he's got a two thirty nine ERA through thirteen starts so far. And actually, the analytics team would support the fact that. This has some staying power. You know, his expected is, is about 361, so it's not like he's going to be terrible. I mean, that's a guy, too. He's pitching his way to potentially getting dealt to a team to be a really good contender. And even when he was with the Mets, I, I felt like he was viewed as not a failure, but it wasn't what you expected. So I went back and looked. Like, he was awesome with the Mets, too. He's been great. I'm surprised he's not been, like, bantied about as this hot piece at a trade deadline commodity because he could help anybody. And he's awesome. Hot Pete, what? You see how he slipped that in there? Yeah. As this hot piece. Would he not be? Yes. Yeah, if you can trust him health-wise. No, he's, he's, a, he's an above-average pitcher. Average pitcher, and he's been good. There's, no, there's really – what's his worst year? There's never really been a drop-off. His it's worst just, year was 2018. It's just been about health. Yep. You know, he's had multiple years where he's only turned in like 19 starts, 25 starts. So, we'll see. be nice if the Cubs actually start going tick, 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 like up and keep them. I mean, I think they're kind of surprised by this year, right? And again, they're not like out of this world great this year, but in a bad division, why would you not just try to stick around and do something there? The Brewers are the best team in that division, and they're barely above 500. They're not great. They're no power. Can I mention some college basketball numbers? Sure. Interesting uh, email from an offshore. <laughs> I just like talking baseball and college basketball on June 5th. Right. Awesome. right. And right before the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> <laughs> so, Zach, uh, Zach Eady's back. Yes. Why do you laugh? He's back with Purdue. Because <laughs> I know I think we're going to go with this. Seven, four, 300 pounds. He's a really good college player. I think he can be a contributor in the NBA. Um, I think I sent you that note last week where Greg Doyle, who writes in Indianapolis, was talking about uh, 
Zach Eady and was saying something to the effect of like the NBA has gotten out of control with its love for the three pointer and minimizing the gigantic big. And I was like, what does out of control mean? Okay. Like you either you either have some stretch elements offensively as a giant. At a minimum, you have to play defense. That's the game. The international game has overtaken the kind of lame power big guy. Let's all stand around and throw it into the post. And I think he can play in the NBA at some point, but he must have gotten the message again. I feel I kind of feel bad for him. Do you? Mm, kind not really. national college player of the year. He goes into the you know the N- NBA draft process, and they're like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> You're not even going to get drafted. I'm the national collegiate player of the year. Yeah, we're not going to pick you. I mean, Oscar Deshiway, he's sticking it out in the draft. He's probably not going to get drafted. If he is, it's like back end of the second. Round. Is there a place for the you know six ten to seven four two sixty to whatever three hundred thirty pound guy? No, none. No. I thought we just watched Denver play big basketball in game number one. You freaking pound him, but they pounded him with a six seven two forty guy in in Gordon. Right. Also, yeah, Nikola Jokic is a little. I'm gonna go with he's a little bit more skilled than Zach Eady. Well, he's, he's got, got he's got game. those elements. I mean, they're next level on on so many. Uh, you know, skill sets, but that's what guys have to strive for is they at least have to be a, a guy who like, can be a, a high pick and roll option who's a great, you know, an above average passer. And here's the other thing too, though. Like, so I th- I can't remember. Everything melts together. If it was game one or game two. But there's a possession where Jokic gets a rebound and he's got, I think it's Zeller on his right, on his hip, and he's just dribbling with his left hand and he takes him up the entire court. He's running and with his off hand and still finishes – through contact, goes essentially coast to coast. Like, that's what you're going to have to deal with. Zach Eady's not doing that defensively, and he's definitely not doing it on offense. Is this bad for the game? What's that? The that, elimination that of the, a position? The, like, gargantuan big is just virtually useless. No. Okay. Why? The game is more aesthetically pleasing. So I'm going to go, that's a good point. And I kind of hinted at that with, you know, just watching old just school some, basketball where we just <clears throat> throw it inside and, yeah, back each other down. Um I'm going to go way back, in the way back machine. Got scared. Right? Because people people will talk about the 80s, and, oh, it was great, man. Physicality, a lot tougher. It was like the skill level was so low. I, my father would take me to New Jersey Nets games, and the Milwaukee Bucks, and I'm trying to think who their best offensive players were, but it was probably 80-45, and they had a series of bigs, a group of bigs. One was Paul McKeskey. Don't look up a picture. You're just going to laugh. Um, Too late. Randy Brewer, don't look up a picture. He was 7'3". And their offense was, they would come across midcourt, and they're big. Either McKeskey or Brewer would just stand just inside of midcourt just to draw the the opposing big out. But they, there wasn't any action off him. He would just stand there they'd go and play 4-on-4. Four four. And like, hey, there's no rim protector now. That was the skill level of guys like that. And they both had long careers. You're just laughing. <laughs> yes, they did. It wasn't a good look on no. either uh, either part. On, just, on Randy Brewer or Paul. But here, and here's the thing: if you on the point of Edie in terms of feeling bad for him, yeah. you know, at some point too, you as a player, like the reason why Purdue lost that game in the tournament as well is, like when you watch Shaq, for example, back in the day. Okay, Shaq, of course, this is an extreme, so we're not expecting Edie to be Shaq, but he was overwhelming physically. Like when he's right. backing down guys, he's spinning through contact, he's finishing them, he's finishing over them. They can't stop him. Edie, when they lost that game, it's FAU. He's like, it's like soft bunnies over smaller guys. Like there's no real 
physicality to a guy like Edie's game. You know it's what I mean? I, I actually think he's been drilled to try to tone down physicality to not get fouled out of games. But mm-hmm. as I've said before, I've talked about Zach Eady a lot. He's the, the officials in college do not call anything on him. Yep. So he's actually allowed to act like a freaking complete animal at yep. his size. So he should do it. And but here's the thing: we can we can draw this correlation to just about anything, right? I mean, go to go to the small forward position. Jimmy Butler plays a different kind of game than most small forwards. He will elbow you in the face, and it's kind of scary going against him. And Shaq. Not only was his physicality just ridiculous, his skills, he was a mean mother blanker. Mm-hmm. Like he enjoyed, I mean, that one play where he he freaking dunks in, uh, who was it, Chris Dudley's face? Yep, that was just And a- it's like his groin's in his face, and then they land, and he just goes, get them. Just pushes him to the ground. Now, you know, as, as a fellow sore loser, Chris Dudley did what I would do and got up and took the ball and whipped it into his head. He also did it with like 20 guys between him and Shaq, yeah. so nothing could happen. <laughs> but the point is, Shaq was just so mean and nasty. Right. And maybe, maybe Zach Eady's got to get a more nasty streak and freaking, you know, bust open some heads, just throw some elbows, send some messages, and be super. I mean, he's pretty dominant, but like, be really physical. It is unreal that in 31 minutes and 34 games, he averaged less than two fouls. This is the most ridiculous. <laughs> it is the. It is one of the most ridiculous things you've ever seen in college basketball, and no one talked about it. Yep. I'm watching games in the middle of the year, and I'm like, he's averaging 1.2 fouls a game? He's 7'4", 330. Like, you just move, you're going to hit people. Yep. Nope. He's the modern-day Wilt. Like, Wilt never fouled out. At, somehow, at 7'1 and 270 pounds, Wilt never fouled out. Oh, I wonder what's happening there. Yeah. So, I don't feel bad. you got to improve okay. your game a little bit. Uh, on this list, so the whole point was, Purdue went from 25-1 to 1 to win the title to 10-1. to 1. I think it's a terrible I, bet. Yep. I still think they're a flawed team that plays way you know too much through Aidi. Although you know they were really young, so they have all their guys back in but, terms of those young guards. So, but they got to hit threes. You can't have games where you don't hit threes if everything is pitching inside. Get a triple team, and they dare you shoot threes, and then you're shooting twenty percent from three. But if 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 you're going to tell me if you promise me that Edie actually becomes a little bit more physical and is like actually finishing on guys, and they improve in three point shooting, then I kind of be down with it. Then maybe there's going to be something there. But you can't just get all the way to the NCAA tournament. You can't get to the finals. By hitting bunnies and floaters and jump shots and hook shots, like you got to be physical if you're seven mm. foot a million. Mm. So national title odds, and again, how do you play this? How high does the number to have to be where you can start playing really early in the NCAA tournament? The whole philosophy is you get someone you think can make a run to the Sweet Sixteen or the Elite Eight. You get them before the season or you know whatever middle of the season, and they're seventy five to one, fifty to one. When can you start hedging? Oh, you can't start hedging until, like, it depends on what you're talking about. Okay, so UNLV to win a national championship? UNLV to win the national championship on this this list, and uh, Nevada. Nevada is 250 to 1, UNLV is 500 to 1. I mean, if I can get them in the tournament. I mean, you don't, you're not, I mean, I don't think you're hedging until Elite Eight. Because ah. think about it, you're just, you're taking pieces, you're, what you're essentially doing is taking pieces of your ticket away. Yeah. So you could get in a position where if you start doing it immediately, you're going to get to the national championship game and be like, congrats. You've essentially got plus 180 on a 500-to-1 ticket. We'll be tracking the Golden Knights. Puck drop is going down in about 15 minutes. A lot more on the NBA Finals. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyer, 766-1400. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada.